Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast, where we unpack the mindset, skills, and wisdom it takes to become an uncommon leader in a common world with your host, the Uncommon CEO himself, Andrew Smart. Welcome to another week of the Uncommon CEO Podcast. How's life in your world, Andrew? Matt, life is good. We are just, you know, rolling away, staying busy. How about yourself? Oh, all is well. I had my my son had his first basketball game over the weekend, and despite uh, what I saw in the team's practice, they en- it ended up winning both games, which was, uh, I think, a true surprise to everybody, even up to the coach of the team, that they pulled that one off. But it was exciting to see him play, and all that really mattered at the end of it is that he enjoyed it and wanted to go keep doing it. So fantastic. So mm-hmm. uh, he's uh, is he playing like on a church league? Is he playing a yeah, youth league? What it's for it? the it's a city league. So league, okay. it has kids nine and ten years old from all over the city that uh, you know no talent required. You know some kids are going to be better than others, but it's all just a league based around fellowship and enjoyment. And uh, so far, he likes it. Got it. Got it. So they had like a two games Saturday, huh? They did. They play a three-on-three half-court game, and then they go up against uh, the winners play each other, and the the teams that drop the first game play each other. And you know, I wouldn't say there were there were no tears or fall downs or glasses getting knocked off, but I think at the end everybody had a pretty darn good time. Did you grow up playing basketball? I did. Yeah, I always played. You know, church league for several years there, but. More so, and I was talking to my son and my wife about that, you know, in the driveway, basketball was life growing up, whether you're playing 21 or just gathering across the street. And it was whoever in the neighborhood's goal, you could lower down to slam dunk uh, size right, and right. have dunk competitions against each other. So, yeah. yeah my was, son and all his, buddy, all his buddies, they do that to this day. So Oh, yeah. I was always... one. Of the, I, I liked all the sports, but yeah, basketball I got a kick out of. Yeah, I played... I played church uh, league basketball um basketball was never my great skill in athletics but i did play church league i was big enough you know they 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 put you in the center just stay low you know kind of knock some people around Mm -hmm. what i found funny about church league um church league get a little violent (laughs) surprisingly so there's some trash talk in church league. i remember doing the parents get a little violent in church league yeah, there was there were some raised voices at this weekend's game, but I remember that growing up in you know church league, Y league, whatever, as well. Yeah. Parents get passionate about it. They don't. They want to see their kids, whether it's living post vicarious through them or whether it's just wanting to see them do their best. Or yeah, you know. I, I I'm not sure that uh, the love and faith was always shared well in church league basketball. Yeah, I will, I agree with that for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. right, but um, but definitely, definitely some strong competition. Uh, watched uh, um, some good competition in football over the weekend. I'm sure you did as well. Yeah, I caught all the games. Some of them a, a little more competition than others. Some some required coming over adversity, and some just it, people had trouble keeping their wits about them. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of how the games go. It doesn't matter what sport you're playing. Uh, you know, the game of life is about overcoming. And we've talked about that adversity. And we've talked about, uh, you know, that, that, that life and kind of my word for the year is is discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, that in, in, in order to have a, 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 a productive life, a full life, it requires discipline. It, mm. it, it requires the ability to to overcome the setbacks of life 
and requires flexibility, right? We talked about yeah. flexibility. And so that, that when we have things in life, the, the, the obstacles in life, how, how do we handle that? Mm-hmm. Well, today I, I want to talk about intelligence. And when you, when you hear that word intelligence, Matt, what, what automatically comes to your mind? Smart. Smart. I- ironic, so just, considering the, the podcast we're on and the host's name. But yeah, right. absolutely. People being book smart is what comes to mind first. So naturally, we, we tend to think of intelligence as someone who is book smart. When we were mm-hmm. growing up, um, you might have remembered, I, at least I remember uh, that, that we threw out this term IQ. Yeah. Yeah. That this this person had a high IQ. It was you know growing up that that was actually a test that that many people would take that they would take this test and get this score and it would it would reveal hey that that they had this level of IQ. If you were over 100 and some odd percent IQ, you would you would be considered highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. If you were below this certain number you were considered not very intelligent. And so did you ever take an IQ test? You know, that's a funny question. I always wondered that. My understanding was that I had that testing when I was a kid and my parents wouldn't share the results with me. So I'll need to hit them up for those numbers there because I was always curious. Like I wanted to know where I stood. I think it's Somewhere 160 is where you get into that genius level there. 160 then, is considered extremely smart. Yeah. So. so I was always curious. I don't think I'm there by any stretch. Don't get me wrong. I just, I am definitely curious. Maybe maybe they didn't want me to get a big head or maybe they're like, we can't let this guy know that he's a, like an 84. Right, so yeah. Right. Who knows? <laughs> Matt, I'm sure you're above an 84. Okay, I hope so. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm sure, sure you're above an 84. It's a, you know, they don't do that test, um, as much today, or they've 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 quote shifted in how they do those tests today. It's it's not something that we um, that we focus on as measuring. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like the SAT. Mm-hmm. Um, when you and I were coming along, getting into college, ACT, SAT, those were very important metrics to getting into college. Mm-hmm. Today, they're still they're still a viable metric. They are still used, but they're not weighted today. Like they were when we went into school. Matter of fact, many schools don't even require them anymore. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the same way when we went to school. Um, you know, I, we were going to school. That was a big deal. Yeah, I think there's a minimum threshold at a lot of schools that you wouldn't get in unless you hit at least then eleven hundred or whatever it that, was at the time. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, I remember having to take the test. I mean, you, you know, you took the pre-test mm-hmm. and then you had the the, the main test, and so. I had to take it a few times. Um, I wasn't a great test taker. Um, that and there were reasons why. Like I told you, I dealt with a little mild dyslexia, and I, I needed more time to take tests because I, you know, as I would tend to get more focused on the amount. When I think we had about three hours, we could take those tests, mm-hmm. and, and because I needed more time, I would get frustrated and tended to rush. And when you rush, you. I mean, it's kind of like, well, you start just. Yeah, I probably did the same. Yep. And so that ended up causing me to not test well. Um, And so, um, so I didn't really score that well on the SAT. Fortunately, I scored high enough to qualify. um, 
and I played sports. So if you played sports and you could qualify under NCAA regulation, you could get into school. Mm -hmm. But if I was been required to be uh, a normal qualification for just an average, uh, you know, college student, I probably wouldn't have got into Clemson University. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know based on today's standard, I would not have gotten into Clemson yeah, they, University. They have a pretty high bar now. They do. It's absolutely, it's truly amazing. How, um, it's an ongoing joke. Uh, many of the board members I sit on with IPTE that uh, uh, many of them say, yeah, we wouldn't get in either. So it's, it's, but, but the point of going to the, the IQ it's in, in how we've looked at intelligence, it, it's been an evolution in time of how we measure intelligence. Intelligence is important. I mean, mm -hmm. I look at intelligence as, you know, as we look at a CEO and a leadership deal in business, intelligence matters, right? No, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to lead people and to, to achieve results. It's hard to do that if you have people who do, who have a low level of understanding things, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we go to hire people, and we've talked about, you know, what does it mean to hire and fire? But when you go to hire people, you're you're looking at people that that should come to the table with a level of knowledge, right? Yeah, you need it. A level of skill, of comprehension of of these areas that that we need as an organization. And not just what we need, but a level that's going to take us beyond what we need, right? Yeah, I mean, they need to. You got to look for the person that fills the role as you could see it become. So, yeah. not everybody needs to have the same level of intelligence to have a job, but there's a certain level you have to meet to be successful. Well, we're hiring. You know that we have different levels of workers. I mean, when I when I'm looking at a line worker, if we're we're in our manufacturing plants and we need someone to stack off case as a product or we need someone to work a certain level of production line, the level of quote intelligence is, is is at a lower level than what we need for someone in a marketing department mm -hmm. or uh, an accounting department or an HR department, right? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I mean it's it's a fact. I mean it's that that is there is just a different level is needed at, at, at these different positions. Mm -hmm. And at the higher you go, you need different levels of skills. Mm -hmm. okay, we, we know that from just a basic intellectual side, an, an intellectual you know, quotient of what we need. But that's just the intellectual side. Mm -hmm. That's a basic. But what we need more today beyond that is the quote, EQ. And EQ is emotional intelligence. And in today's world, that is being studied more than, quote, the basic study of intellect on the IQ test, emotional mm -hmm. intelligence. And what, what we're trying to work harder on is when we go to look at individuals and people that we want to hire is, okay, you come to the table with these skills that are, you know, are in all these areas that you you show that you have the intellect of these skills, but do you possess the emotional intellect? And so let's talk a little about what is the emotional quotient of what, what what is the emotional intellect that we're talking about? Sure. So when I throw emotional intellect to you, Matt, what what are we talking about here? Oh, it's people that can 
read situations, people that have relational skills beyond just the intellectual side of things. Um, a lot of times you hear about people that have social skills as opposed to, or sometimes you can conflate intellect with a lack of social skills. So being able to balance those two out is increasingly more important in finding well-rounded individuals that know how to interact with others and be able to be productive in tandem alongside other folks. So it's not good enough today just to hire people who have a level of intellect to do a job. Mm -hmm. You see, we're, we work in environments where you're working with others. Okay, if you know, it's it's if you come to the table and you understand the responsibility of the role, but you can't relate to other people, there's a problem, right? Yeah, you're never going to move the ball down the court for a sports analogy's sake, uh, unless you're doing it as a team. Nobody in a silo is going to be effective in an organization, and without EQ, you're you're going to probably end up in a siloed role. But it happens quite often. There's oh yeah. When there is a lack of an emotional connection, you know, when you have, when you, when you're working with people and you have zero ability to relate in an emotional way, you can never achieve the results as an organization that you need to achieve. When you have team members that don't respond well together because there's no emotional bond at any level, mm -hmm. there's a problem. And, and, Quite frankly, Matt, uh, you know, I've experienced it. I know you've experienced it. There's nothing worse than when you're trying to work with a a team member that you know is intelligent, but you don't really know where they stand because they they don't respond in any way. Mm -hmm. you, you you get no emotional feedback from this person. Sure. Yeah. It's you got to have both. If you're all emotional, but you're a, a total numbskull, you're not going to really be able to lead others or be very successful at your job. If you're strictly, you know, a, a genius with no social skills, you're also going to struggle. Well, we talk about in, 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 in this organization, we talk about serving and connecting, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. In the serving mindset, serving is always about others, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard to serve others that you can't connect with. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so, you, so when you, when you lack an emotional connection, you can't really serve because serving is about getting to know others. I can't serve you, Matt. Well, if I don't understand you, right? Yeah. And you can't serve me well, if you don't understand me. And this is where connection and, and connections all in emotion. Mm -hmm. It's not in, it's not in intellect. It's in emotion. And so, where we have to work on is where is our level of emotional connection? It's not just in business. It's in all levels of relationship. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, if, you, if you're in a marriage with no emotional connection, what kind of marriage you got? Oh, it's a dead marriage. You're, you're, you're at best just existing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you take, you take emotion out of any relationship, you don't have a true relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I always make the, 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 the context that people think that they have true relationship over social media is, is a fallacy. Mm -hmm. There's no true relationship on social media. You don't have a true connection with someone over social media.
You might think you do, but it's impossible. You can't have a true human bond with someone in social media. And so, because it's uh, there's no way to, to truly bond over a computer, is there? Nah, not that I know of. Or an iPhone. I mean, it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's what we go back to. It's why, it's why, it's why we can get confused sometimes in texts and emails. Mm-hmm. It's why that when you get a text from someone and all of a sudden you might get a little out of whack because you really don't understand what they mean when they said it, right? Well, it's because you're trying to introduce emotion to the written word in that scenario. We run into that all the time where something's on paper. You're like, what, what do they mean by that? You know, you, you fill in the blanks for the emotion because it's not there. It's happened to me many times. You know, that someone has sent me a text and I'm reading the text and I'm like, I mean, what do they really mean? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden my mind starts running into a bunch of different places. And then by the time that, that I can, can connect with this person and start communicating with them, I find out that that's not real. Where my mind went was yeah. not what they really meant. And, and, and then we spend an hour plus kind of dissecting and, 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 and regathering our spot to, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's what happens in life when we, when we operate that way. So this is why emotional intelligence and emotional connection is so critical for success in life and business and everything. Cause when, when you lack that people can't operate at high levels. Mm-hmm. And so, so we understand that, that having intellect, the basic IQ is critical because, Hey, Smart matters, meaning that just basic intellect smart matters. But this emotional connection is important. And I think that we struggle in today's time with our emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and another piece of that is, is what you just said earlier. You can't just live in your emotions either. No, absolutely. It's got to be a balance. Yes. And so, and so, so the, the last, you know, you know, quantum that I want to, Living is that that AQ, mm-hmm. and I've talked to you about this before, and it goes to a podcast that we shared when we talked about that flexibility, mm-hmm. because AQ is really, in my opinion, the most important for success in leadership and business. Mm-hmm. This is where you find leaders who are the most successful. Mm-hmm. This is what I can, this is where I see when we talk about uncommon people, uncommon, quote, this uncommon CEO leadership, they're the ones from my perspective that have the highest level. Candidly, uh, when you look at all of them, they might not have the highest level of IQ. I think they have high EQ, but they definitely have the highest AQ. And AQ is the ability to adapt. Mm-hmm. Their ability to adapt to any given situation. Adaptability is the key to success. Someone's ability to adapt to any given issue, situation, you know, the, whatever comes at them, you know, the ability to adapt at a high level. As, as things come at us in life and business, as things, you know, change, because we live in an ever-changing world. We could walk into a meeting tomorrow and just something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, could, we could walk in, you know, it's kind of you and I were talking, 
just this morning and you know and i had asked you a question about one of our one of our major clients mm -hmm. and and you know we you know you were telling me hey well the the orders came in a lot you know larger than than we expected right yeah and we were talking about you know how you know some changes had to be made and well the ability to adapt to adapt to that issue is critical yeah the the initial is a knee jerk Everybody goes, oh, my gosh, this is a problem. What do we need to do to fix it? And it's just a couple turns to the left, you know, to uh, to come up with some solutions, to adapt, to be flexible. And you can always come up with a solution. It just takes a moment to take a breather and look at it. That is the adaptability is the key to the success. I mean, when we we know every day something is going to come a little different than what we expect. Something somewhere, you know, and we don't know where that is, but our ability to adapt to the situation, to adapt to the environment, to adapt, the adaptability is the key to the success. And it's an, it, it, is, it is an emotional and, you know, an adaptability intelligence that is critical because too many people lacked that level of intelligence. Things are always going to change. Mm -hmm. This is why, you know, when you look at people who are constantly jumping ship all the time everywhere, because they lack it. Mm -hmm. Because they don't realize that things are always going to change. When they go to one ship to the other, do they not think that that's going to change too? I mean, if you change, if, if, if you left this business right here today and you went to business down the street, Give it another year down there, it's going to change over there too. Yeah, it's, it's Sisyphus rolling the rock up the hill just for it to come right back down on them each time. It's it's it, it's it's realizing that everything changes. If you don't learn to adapt and change, and, and if you don't grow there, then 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 you're going to constantly deal with this internal issue because everything is going to change. You have to grow in your intelligence of adaptability. And it starts with on down the line, okay? What's my level of just basic intelligence? Where's my emotion? And then where's my adaptability? If you can hone all three of those in, you can be highly effective. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you lack, I mean, you can have, you know, I mean, your level of, you know, that quote, IQ doesn't have to be too high. I mean, you got to have enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, you gotta have enough to be able to operate. But if you lack the other two, if you're really, really lacking the other two, you're gonna have a huge problem. Because if you lack in emotional intelligence and adaptability, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It really doesn't. You could have a 190 IQ. You could have a 190, but if you lack emotional intelligence and adaptability, you're not gonna be able to achieve. Yeah, you're not gonna problem solve. Everything's gonna be a mathematical mind approach to you're gonna be the smartest loser out there yeah that's what you're gonna be you're gonna be the smartest loser out there you know i i'll never forget uh, a mentor of mine at a young age he was a middle school teacher of mine he's no longer living but he this guy was a phenomenal teacher he was he was more than that. he was a coach he was a mentor he uh his name was maxi Perchet. he was a um he phenomenal phenomenal man he spent his life um, really developing young men. He was a 
African-American uh, man who was former football player in the National League. He played for the Houston Oilers. If you oh, that's, that's way back when. Yeah, sure. Houston mm-hmm. Oilers. Um, but this guy was a larger-than-life type of guy. Um, really, um, he he really influenced a lot of young, you know, black males. I mean, really, he he really spent his life, um, you know, making a difference. And and so he, you know, he he really, you know, emphasized these type of qualities, and he he taught me these things at a young life. Um, I remember he had, um, he, he had these little wolf, you know, little, little statues, little wolves on his desk. And he always tell me, he said, you know, Andrew, a lone wolf, you know, hunts best. And, and I never really understood what he was trying to say of that at a young age with a lone wolf humps desk. Cause I always thought a wolf's hunt packs, right? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't trying to say that wolves don't, you know, do well hunting packs, but what he was trying to, you know, to, to emphasize was, you know, when you're the wolf, you want to be the smartest and the best in that pack. You want to be the leader of that pack. You want to be the, you know, and so he, you know, when I, when I, when I look back and I think about that type of mentality and leadership, you know, from this type of guy, you know, you know, I learned that, you know, at a young age from that type of mentor, of how to have that type of emotional intelligence. I mean, this guy, I don't know if he can do that to this day. This guy, literally in the classroom, he used to make us do push-ups. Hmm. He used to. <laughs> Haven't seen that happen or hear about it from he my kids. To, yeah. He used to. Anybody who ever had this guy, he used to, um, you know, when, when, when a kid would act up, he'd like, he'd put his hand in his face and said, don't be a hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was, he was. He would do funny things. Um, I was uh, one of his uh, his aides. Um, I had him for sixth, seventh grade, uh, sixth and seventh, and for eighth, I was his aide. And me and another guy, he would send us on missions to the teachers' lounge, hmm. and uh, to get to to like go get a snack or something. And and he said, "You can get yourself a snack too, but if you get caught, you're on your own." Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a rogue mission black ops it was exactly yeah. that mm-hmm. it was exactly that but i mean but but he was teaching us stuff at the same time um but yeah just learning you know those kind of skills at a young age and so so yeah i mean you know having these type of of skills of intelligence are critical for success and to be a highly effective Leader, influencer, you got to have this level of intelligence. So how do you identify EQ and AQ specifically and people you're bringing in? You, the, the tricky part about hiring is you get an interview, maybe two, a little FaceTime. You got to determine, is this person going to be the right fit for our organization? Good question. Uh, fortunately, on EQ, there are some good tests that you can out there now that you can give for EQ. Um, I mean, are they definitive? No, I mean, I mean, the only thing definitive is is once you start working with people to see how they respond. So there's some good there's some good testing out there that you can see how people respond to a situation, things. Mm-hmm. That, so there's some. Um, 
the adaptability one, um, I, I think that's just a soul until you get people into an environment, into a situation. You don't know until you're in it. You know, how will they respond once once they're thrown into situations, hot LZs, different kind of things that, you know, that what's their ability to respond? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that you don't know. I mean, like I said, you, you the, the IQ thing, they, they come in with a level of intelligence. You can ask questions. You can assess. You can do all those kind of things. The emotional side, we can ask questions. We can assess. Adaptability is a response to the situations. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. So how can you, on a day-to-day basis, work on your own AQ? I, you know, I something I've been trying to work on kind of my whole journey. I mean, I think, I think early on in my journey, I didn't know the term AQ. Um, I, think, I think not knowing the term, I think it became a journey of life. Life circumstances, failure, failures that I went through. So I think I think AQ was something I do I have developed over circumstances I've gone through that have allowed me to evolve into a stronger AQ. That as I've gone through setbacks, failures, personally, professionally, relationally, all these kind of things that you go through has allowed me to evolve in that. And as you as you evolve in that, you get stronger, mm-hmm. and you're able to look at things differently. So a lot of times, when I have situational things come at us, for me, um, I can look at things that other people look at as a challenge. I can look at them like that's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I I will give you I'll give you I'll give you a story on that. When we were at the end of the year doing leadership review or when I was doing some of my senior staff reviews, I had one of my senior staff members talk about um, one of the challenges that she was having in, in one of the areas that I needed, needed her to work on. And, and, and I said to this particular person, Hey, you know, let me, let me, let's walk through this a little bit. I mean, cause you're seeing this as a very difficult situation. And what it was, was some of the negotiations we needed with some particular supply stuff. And so, mm-hmm. and I said to this person, I said, you know, you've been through some tough things in life. Okay. You, you, you've gone through some personal challenges. And I don't go into any details, but there were some really tough personal challenges. And I mean, candidly speaking, I mean, you, you went through those challenges and overcame some some physical and relational, really tough stuff. And, and, and you're, you're, you're sitting here telling me this little situation here on this business front, you're telling, you're like comparing this to that. I said, that's a walk in the park compared to this. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I was basically saying is all perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that 10,000 foot view will do you a lot of good. Yeah, I mean, and so, and so I was saying, look, adapt your mind of thinking. Wait a minute, I overcame something at this level that was way harder. So don't look at that. If I can overcome this, that's nothing. And that's what I was telling her that you know this thing that she thought was hard. I'm sitting there telling, to me, what you're looking at this hard, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be. 
balance. It's almost like a a three-part Venn diagram of IQ, EQ, AQ. How do you strike that balance or become more, um, I guess, more aware and cognizant that there needs to be a balance? What are some steps you can take? In business and in life, I mean, I think the intelligence side, okay, and I'm really all three, okay, the intelligence side is, okay, that you you got to work on all three. So I basic intelligence is, okay, what am I doing to evolve that? What am I working on? What am I, what am I, what am I reading? I mean, intel, basic intelligence is a front lobe work. Mm-hmm. And so you can't work on your front lobe if you're not studying. So that's, that's just a basic, I'm going to work on my level of intelligence. If you want to get quote intellectual smarter, Matt, Okay, well, you've got to study, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's that's just a basic. If you don't read anything, if you don't study anything, you're not going to get any smarter, right? No. Okay, you might well, even get dumber. Well, you will get dumber. Mm-hmm. Technically, you will. If if It's a fact. If all you did was do nothing and watch TV, what's going to happen to your brain? Uh, if you've seen the movie Idiocracy, you'll get dumber and dumber generation after generation and you know what there's people out there that want you to get dumber and dumber Mm -hmm. i mean there's a whole commitment to it true okay so so no that's that's a basic if if you don't understand that you got to do some work to to get smarter that way then it's gonna be real hard to get the rest of it so you got to get smarter in that way but it's also the other way so there are people who are all committed to the intellectual smart. The emotional intelligence is taking it a little farther because here's where emotional intelligence lies. You see, we the intellectual intelligence is in that front lobe. It's in that small, the emotional intelligence is in a deeper part of our brain. And the deeper part of our brain of emotional intelligence, you see, there's a lot of stuff in our brain. Emotional intelligence requires us to do somewhat we call reflective thought Mm -hmm. it requires us to go into a deeper chasm of our mind and in reflective thought it requires us to look at problems okay problems within ourselves so if i can't connect with other people if i'm not being relatable with other people then then the deeper problem might be me right Mm mm-hmm that's where that's where where I, I I use the book Winning with People. That's where the mirror principle comes into play. Whenever whenever you see a problem, the first thing that you should evaluate is are you the problem? Mm-hmm. And that's where the mirror principle is in play. That's the reflective thought, and this is where the beginning stage of emotional intelligence comes into play. Am I strong enough to look at me and say, Am I the issue? That's the mirror principle, the deeper thought. This is emotional. Only an emotional, intelligent person can do that. People who are not emotionally intelligent cannot do deep work. People who are not emotionally intelligent, you know what they do? They just point the finger. They project. They do exactly what you're talking about. They project. They They are the people who project everything. And that... That is an emotional, intelligent person automatically recognizes I've got to do deep work. 
you know, then, okay, once you, once you realize that and once you're working on that stage, then you can go right over to the AQ of adaptability. Okay. You got that emotional, but then you got adaptability, you know, and when you adapt means I got to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. You're, so you, 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 your intellect, your emotion and adaptability. Mm-hmm. I got to evolve. Evolve means change, right? But if, if, if you haven't worked on this stage of IQ that goes to the EQ of emotion, then you, you don't think you have to change one damn thing, do you? Nope. Everybody else is the problem. Yeah. You, because, but those two lead to the final stage that says, I've got to evolve and change. I have to adapt. I got to change to the circumstance. I got to, I got to, I got to change my way of communicating with Matt or talking mm-hmm. with Matt. I got to listen more to Matt. I got to stop doing all the talking. I got to you see where I'm going here. Sure. It's all an inside job. Correct. And to evolve, it leads to the adaptability of I've got to do it differently. And if you can apply all those things, you can be highly effective. Mm-hmm. You can grow in the way that we want to grow. If you want to be uncommon. And uncommon people, uncommon leaders, they get that. They know that it's always an inside job. You know, it starts with the mind and ends with the mind every day. So we like to wrap up with something called fourth and goal, the one key takeaway. So how do how do you make it a focus and an inside job to improve in these areas? Or what what would you want our listeners to take away from today's show? What I would want our listeners to take away from today's show is, is that if you want to be highly effective, if you want to be your best, then you have to look at all three of these and you have to apply all three of them. I can tell you how I do it is that one, I do study on the outside. I want to grow my mind. Two, how I deal with emotional intelligence is, is it's not just the reflective thought. You have to have people who can speak into you. Mm-hmm. Okay, emotional intelligence isn't about, hey, I'm looking just at myself. Do you have the guts to let someone talk into you? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole point of, you know, that that's the whole point of why we have therapists today. I mean, you go back 50 years ago and you went to therapy or something like that, you, something was wrong with you, right? You were, you, no, I mean, therapies and coaches, I mean, all these kind of things, these, these are good things in life. You can't be your best. I mean, that, why, why do you go to the doctor today? Well, depends. I mean, some people go just because they're sick. Some people go to stay well. I, I would say wellness checks are huge today. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the mind, okay, everything in your body is run by the mind. Yeah. And so if I want to be highly functional, then I want to have my mind at its best. But if you're not working on the mind, how does anything else work right? And so whether that's some type of therapy coaching, whatever it is, get that engaged in your life. And, and 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 do it with people who know what they're doing, not your buddy down the street, not your quote best friend, you know, that that doesn't know what they're talking about or you think they do. Because I've always about don't just give people stuff that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Give people who are qualified. Then once you've done that, then focus on adapting to the change. Make changes. Because if you're not willing to make changes, nothing will change. Think about that statement. 
If you're not willing to make changes, nothing will change. Thanks for joining us today on the Uncommon CEO Podcast. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. We have video episodes on our YouTube channel and more Uncommon Wisdom on our social media. Find all our links and resources at UncommonCEOPodcast.com. For Andrew Smart and all of us here at the Uncommon CEO, stay uncommon.